welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to 1 John. If you would, I want to invite you to turn there to chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the back here. We're just going to look at one small verse in 1 John today. Uh, if you're new, we've been in this series in 1 John for, well, I think since like February. So it's been a while. We're rounding the corner. We're nearing the end here. And uh, 1 John is an interesting little book written to a bunch of churches out in the middle of nowhere, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. John is a pastor. He's writing to these people. And so we're taking the last couple of weeks of John because John kind of uh, starts to, re- oh, well, regurgitate's not a very good word. Uh, John starts to repeat some material that he's already talked about previously. So for us, we decided to take some themes and offer some themes as we kind of close out this series. And so that's what I want to do today. This, this teaching is going to meander a little, um, but quite frankly, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that because I think at this point in the text, John kind of meanders. Uh, honestly, I think if we had an editor, if John had an editor, we'd have about half of what we have in the scriptures. But of course, the Holy Spirit didn't see fit to edit what John wrote twice, so we'll just go with it. Uh, But either way, uh, John repeats a few things at the end here. So I want to offer a few thoughts. I want to start with just a reminder, and then I want to offer a few thoughts on this text as we kind of move our way towards communion. Does that sound good? Um, So here's here's where I want to start today. A reminder, uh, sometimes when we gather, uh, it's, it's easy to forget exactly what we're doing. It's easy to forget the th- uh, what's at the heart and the core of what it is that's happening in this kind of a moment. Uh, something like communion uh, to a person who's not a part of a religious community, specifically a Christian-based uh, religious community. Communion seems like a pretty bizarre thing, right? We talk about the body and the blood of Jesus. In fact, the first, for the first Christians, the folks who were around them watching thought they were cannibals. They thought that they were like eating people's body, you know, blood and body. So it's a weird thing. So it's important for us to always kind of come back to why do we do this and what is this? And so my, the reminder that I want to start this morning with is I want to put this on the screen and I want to just start here and it's this. We gather not to find God at an experience in church or in, an ex- in our experience at church, rather to remind ourselves and train ourselves to see the God who is active and present in our everyday lives. Okay, that second part really crucial. Rather to remind ourselves and train ourselves to see the God who is active and present in our everyday lives. So here's what's not happening when you come into this room on Sunday mornings. Uh, We are not leaving the big bad world where we come to this little refuge and retreat center of Christianity and we sort of get our fill of God. Um, That's not what's happening here. Uh, We are not leaving the big bad world and coming here to sort of get something that's not out there. Uh, I think sometimes we forget that when we come to this room, uh, and, and, and this really isn't a church. In fact, it's a comedy club with a bar in it, and it's kind of dirty, and uh, we, it's, a, it's only a church because you're here, right? Because you, the people, the humans, the flesh and blood, sweat and everything that's here in this room comprise the church. So when we gather here, we are the church, and we make up the church, not because this place is holy or this place has a cross or a steeple, well, it kind of has a steeple, but... In fact, did you guys know, a little, little tangent, these clips right up here by this fan, do you know what used to hang from there? A little swing where a girl would sit and you know, swing over the, the folks as they dined. <laughs> no kidding, I'm not, not even joking. Like the little can-can dress, you guys remember this? From like the 60s and 70s? My grandpa uh, said this place was hopping, and uh, that, was, that was one of the reasons why, I guess. A can-can dress. Uh, so it's not a church, it's not a church. It's only a church because you're here. And you are the church. You make up the church. 
So uh, we don't come into this place to sort of consume religious goods and services, but rather we come here and I hope that what's happening when we gather is that we're reminding each other and we're training each other to see the God who is present in every single moment of our lives. So the mundane, the ordinary, the things that happen at your work and in your home with your kids and at school and all of those things that we don't come here to sort of get God because God is here. Rather, God is present in those places and we gather to remind ourselves and help us see, have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is already doing in the present. Okay, does that make sense? So just a reminder, like when we come to gather, it's important to to know, like this is not the be all end all. This is one part of our life together that we do and that's important. And then we go and we live as, as people who are on mission in the world. God has invited the people of, of God to do something, to participate in something in the world, which is his mission, to restore and recreate, to invite everyone back, right? So that's what's happening when we gather. Now, as we read 1 John chapter 4, I want to just keep that in mind because it's important that we sort of remind ourselves of those things. Now, 1 John chapter 4 Verse 16, and some might call it the second half, I like to call it the B-sides of verse 16, says this, God is love, whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. That's it, that's as far as we're going today. We're going to get half of one verse. God is love, whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Would you pray with me just uh, briefly as we jump into this? God, I want to ask that as we study your scripture, that you... uh, that you would be very um, present, that you would be uh, honest with us, that you would be uh, straightforward. God, that we might have the courage to present ourselves and our hearts and our minds and everything that's going on in our lives in this moment, that we would be present to your spirit, which is here, uh, which is among us, which is working and moving. And I pray, God, that um, we would have eyes to see you, ears to hear you, And I I guess I pray for my friends and for myself that we might have the courage to just stand in your light. Um, John says that you are light and that we uh, have this tendency sometimes to live in darkness, that we want to hide things, that we want to um, keep things from each other and from you. And so, God, I pray that we would have the courage to just stand in your beautiful um, embrace and your light and that you might um, draw us to yourself, I pray. By the power of the Spirit, all God's people said, amen. Okay, so here's two things, uh, two thoughts I want to offer this morning. And this first one, I want to get to it kind of from a roundabout way. So I'm going to put some things on the screen behind me, not quite yet. When they come up, uh, I'm going to read them, and there's going to be a pattern. I'd like for you to try to figure out what it is. And if you find it, just shout it out, okay? Um, This is... uh, Freedom, uh, this is a little freedom reminder. If you feel, want to respond or shout an amen or, you know, shout out what, you know, you, you can do that here at Awaken, all right? It's comedy club. Here we go. First one is this. It says, are we not drawn onward, we few drawn onward to new era? Interesting little sentence. Let's go ahead and throw the next one up there. It says this, and I vote more cars race Rome to Vienna. Here's the third one. This is, this is a great one. Campus motto, bottoms up, Mac. How many of you went to that school? Bottoms up, Mac. That's the campus motto. Campus motto, bottoms up, Mac. Oh, sentences read forward and backward. Anybody know what that's called? A palindrome, a palindrome. Man, these things are fascinating. You can go to Google's and write like cool palindromes and you can find all these, okay? 
Uh, just throw the next, throw a couple more up there. These are great. Never odd or even. How about the next one? Too bad, I hit a boot. That sounds like something my four-year-old would say. Too bad, I hit a boot. So sentences that are read forward and backward, they read the same way, right? Here's uh, the, the definition of a palindrome. It comes from a Greek word, two words, that means literally running back again. So a palindrome is a word or a phrase which reads the same in both directions, okay? A sentence or, or a phrase that reads the same in both directions. And here's why I bring that up. I think as, we, as we've been in John for a while now, we begin to see and hear things that we've heard before. And often it's just like a little bit of a twist on something. So like this verse, for example, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And I want to start by saying, I think John, and I'm making this word up. I Googled it. It's not, I put it in there. It spell checked. It. It's not a word, but I'm, I'm coining it. This is mine. John speaks in palindromic language. Okay. Is that a word? You think it is? You think it is. Our Australian thinks it is. All right. There we go. <laughs> So John speaks in palindromic language. Now, now, if you study the Greek and you go back and you look, it's not like John is actually using, using palindromes, a, a phrase that's read exactly the same forward as it is backwards. But I think John uh, speaks in this way, like, for example, the ending is the beginning. The beginning is the ending. For John, regardless of which way you come at it, you kind of get the same idea. And he comes at it from both sides often. So like, for example, God is love. And he also says, love is God. So if you experience love in the world, you've experienced something of God. God is love. Love is God. It's like flip the words that it's all the same. Uh, John says, live in love. Then he says to love is to live to essentially like, this is what we were made for to love and to experience this, to live this way is to actually live. Uh, He says things like you are in God and God is in you. He says, uh, love is not fear. Fear is not love. It's all of these things that are kind of forwards and backwards. And so as we kind of uh, prepped for this day and thought about what could we talk about, this idea of why does John do this? And often he does where he says one thing and then he says it a different way. And it's like you could read it forwards or backwards or it doesn't really matter. And I think John, as I sort of uh, meditated on what's going on here and what's John really doing, what's he talking about? Here's kind of my thoughts on this. I think for John, he's kind of, he's circling around an issue of essence, right? Essence, or the more technical word, ontology, the study of being. So what John's talking about when he says God is love, to love is is to experience God, when he's talking about these things, he's talking about really the essence of who God is and what God is. How many of you have ever, uh, okay, old people, I'm talking like really old, you know, like 80, 90. Uh, do you know anybody that's really old who's been following Jesus for most of their lives? Okay, can you think of somebody in your mind? I knew this, this gal. Her name was Miriam Adamson. Okay, this lady, I mean, she was old. She was like borderline, uh, well, she was losing her sight. She would come to church and uh, she'd say, turn up the music, I love it. Well, she couldn't hear half the time. So, you know, she'd just like, turn it up, I love more, more, more. And Miriam, I think she was, I think she was uh, 90, if I remember correctly, or older. Miriam at one point came on our junior, our, our retreat for our senior high youth group. We, try, we were asking for volunteer leaders and Miriam's like, yeah, sure, I'll go. I don't mind the music. I like kids, whatever. So we bring this like 90-year-old woman on this retreat with us. Do you guys remember the sumo suits? You remember those things? Like you can, you can jump in these sumo suits and they're like these ultimate, uh, you know, well, it's a, and then you sumo wrestle with somebody else who's in this suit. I'm not even kidding you. Imagine 90 year old woman. She hops in the sumo suit and she sumo wrestles me. (laughs) 
Now, I usually don't let people win. You can ask my wife about how our tennis thing, our little bout with tennis went. It didn't go well. I usually don't let people win, but on this one, I let Miriam pin me, and she totally, like, body slam, flat out, full-on sumo. I've got this 90-year-old lady in a sumo suit laying on top of me, and all the kids are gathering around. They think this is hilarious. I think it's a little awkward. <laughs> but here's the thing with Miriam. The older Miriam got, and the, you remember Miriam? Yeah, yeah. The older Miriam got, and the further she walked with Jesus, the farther she traveled into who God was, it was like the more and more she trusted like a child, right? The further she went and the more she knew of God, the more she just trusted like a child. And it was like this weird kind of backwards sort of, the, she was 90. She'd been following Jesus for decades. I mean, like, prior to Nixon and all kinds of other precedents that I wasn't alive to see. She's been following Jesus, and the more and more and more she finds out about who God is, the more her trust looks like the trust of a child. So, so very interesting. John says, God is love. Whoever lives, love, or whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. The beginning is the end. The end is the beginning. No matter how far you travel with God, it's as if you're starting over again. It's as if Because God is endless. God is ever giving, always eternal, always revealing, always offering. And God is ever doing these things. It's like the more and more you try to get to God, the more and more God gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Which is a bit of an interesting, it's just an interesting way to think about it. And and as as I studied this passage and we kind of talked about what could we really center on this morning? What are some things that we could offer It just seemed like John over and over and over again says, God is love, live in love. If you live in love, you live in God, and God is in you, and God is... It's very, very interesting. He uses these kind of palindromic words and phrases to talk about God. Now, another thing that John... And this kind of leads to uh, another thought or provocation I want to offer to you this morning is this mysterious nature of, of this God. When John speaks, uh, he often speaks of God as this mystery. And... uh, when it comes to the Bible, you know, we, we open a book of the Bible, especially people like me who teach it uh, for a living, and we want to answer questions like, what's going on in the book? Who wrote it? Who, where are they writing to? What's the... I remember looking at one commentary, and there was an outline that went for like five pages. It was like, you know, title, subtitle, subpoint, 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 and just verse after verse after verse, and there's this long, drawn-out process of trying to get to what's going on in the text, and what's the author doing, and what are the technical technical things happening, and this, that, and the other thing. And all this is well and good, and it proves, and it it offers some things that are good at times. But sometimes, and this is why I think I like John so much, he doesn't do that. He just seems to meander. He takes God as this this idea, and he just kind of meanders through, and he says, this is true about who God is. God is love, and God is light. If you live in God, or if you live in love, then you're, you live in God. If, you, if you're in God, then you love your brother or sister. If you do these, and John just kind of, man, he doesn't try to reduce it. He doesn't try to deduce it. He doesn't try to simplify it. He doesn't try to bring it down. And allow me to be a little nerdy if I am not already, if I, if I could for this, just for a second. Um, history, right? We live in the wake of some of the most amazing technological and human advancements that have ever, we've, we've known as, as human beings since we've been like writing down things about us. The last 500 years or so have given us things like the Enlightenment and things like the scientific revolution, right? Empirical data, the five things, if I can see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, whatever the other one is. Uh, 
and the scientific method, you know, this, this sort of rigorous way that we test things and we, we record data and we observe these things. And, and this is where we live and this is the, 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 the period of time we've lived in. And if you think about it, all of these things, intellectualism, scientific revolution, the enlightenment, the industrial revolution, all of these, they try to pin something down. They try to get to the bottom of it. They try to, and, and in science, objectify and observe something and then record the data. Good in a lot of cases. But this doesn't stop with theology, right? As we think about God in the last 500 years, um, some of the things that we've gotten, and again, okay, pause for just a second. Here, I'm, I'm not like bashing. What I'm, I'm just trying to offer us a perspective, okay? Unpause. Some of the things that we get are for spiritual laws, right? Let's take the book of Romans, this huge, like, um, unbelievable work that Paul, and, and see if we can boil it down to four points to talk about salvation. Helpful, yes. Uh, uh, the Romans Road, uh, three steps to whatever, three-point sermons, all of these things. Now, God is not an object to be observed. God is not an object that we observe. We don't stand outside of God and observe what's going on with God and write down these things and then we say, okay, these things are true about God and therefore I believe such and such. I think that's a, a, an unfortunate way that we experience and participate in theology, thinking about God. Because God is not an object that we observe. In fact, if you think about the way in which God reveals God's self, wait, what's the name that God gives to Moses? Do you remember this? In, in, uh, what, say it again. I am, right? The first person conjugation of the verb to be. God, when God names God's self, the name God gives is I will be what I will be. This verb, this God, describes God's self as this action thing that's happening. So God is not an object that we observe, and I would offer God is a, a, an experience that we participate in. God is this relational thing, this relational entity, this essence that we participate in, that we don't observe from an objective perspective, but that we participate in. And so when John talks about God, often it's mysterious. It's, it's, it's not, here's four points and here's why you might believe. And I guess I, I say that to say, or, or I say that because of this. I think for some of us, and maybe, maybe everybody has a view from somewhere and it's the view from their perspective. And so maybe a little bit, little, little bit of this is my story. But I, I, I sense that there might be some others in the room who, who might need to hear this. God is not an object that we observe, but rather a part, an experience that we participate in. And I think sometimes the things that are offered in the name of God as far as what's going on in my life or what's happening in my life. I, I know I, I've speak to some of you and you say, I don't have an answer. This is happening in my life and honestly, I don't know. I read, I read the scriptures and I've asked, I pray and I don't know. I'm not sure what to do. And some of you have said things like, you know, I have read and I, I, I've looked at all of the proof and I, all of this and yet it's there's still a part of me that just, I'm not sure. And I think mystery in some cases is 
is okay. That we want to create space for that. We want to create space for you to wonder and for you to maybe even doubt, to question, to say, ah, ah, I'm not sure. And I want to just say on the record that that's okay. That if you find yourself in a place where your kids are just like, you are at your wit's end and you don't know, and the books that you read on parenting aren't helpful and your friend's encouragement is actually quite discouraging, um, that's okay. It's going to be okay. And that God is this ever-giving, ever-offering, ever-loving experience to participate in, and that is the God that presents itself to you this morning and says, I am here, and I am with you, and I offer myself to you. And so I guess I just want to encourage you, if you find yourself in that place in life, um, that that's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to have all of the proofs written down. But I want to invite you into this experience that God is. Um, Now, as we kind of turn towards communion, I said this was going to meander. I wasn't joking. Um, I want to offer one thought. Uh, because I've talked a little bit about this is just this is how it works. This is what John says, that God is love. If you love, you experience God. This is just the way God is. This is how it works. Uh, I want to offer one thought as we move towards communion that I think is kind of in line with this. There are certain things in the world that would qualify as this is just the way the world works. Gravity is one of them. Um, if I you know, picked up this cup and dropped it, um, it's going to fall and hit the, the, the floor and splatter everywhere. See? I told you I would, right? (laughs) I wasn't planning on doing that, but I just thought I would. (laughs) Electricity and water. Not a good idea. So gravity is one of those things, right? This is just the way the world works. If you drop something, unless you you, you, you somehow, um, um, unless you somehow, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? press pause on the laws of gravity and science in our earth and our little globe around here. This is what will happen every single time. This is the way the world works. Economists will tell you that if the, the market will always self-correct itself. It'll, it'll always correct itself. So in free market capitalism, the market always corrects itself. If, if something's inflated, the market will kind of bring it back down to where it should be. If something's undervalued, the market will show that it's, it should be valued more. Economists will say the market always corrects itself. Um, it seems that in life, if you've ever noticed, uh, if, you, if you've had death in your family and you think back, I would venture to say that there, there's a high probability that very near the death that you experienced in your family was also a birth. It's, it's so interesting that in life, in, in, in our experience, life often comes from death. I mean, if you think about the things that you eat, we sustain ourselves, we live as something else dies. And it's just a bizarre, you know, we sang about it, beautiful things. God makes beautiful things out of broken things. It's a bizarre reality that this is just the way the world works, that life often comes from death. I mean, Elton John sang about it, right? Circle of life. Come on, it's got to be true. I would submit to you this is one of those things, that this is just the way the world works. When you receive, somewhere, someone gives. 
whether or not you're aware of or that person or whatever uh, that thing is, is present in that moment when you receive it, if you go back far enough, you will always, always, always find that somebody somewhere, somehow gave of themselves so that you could receive. This is just the way the world works. When we receive something, anything, whether it's a paycheck or a gift or food or clothes, whatever it is, always connected to that is somebody somewhere, somehow, in some way has given so that you can receive. Now, follow with me here. Communion is this beautiful picture of the way things work in God. Broken and poured out. In the breaking and pouring out of self, the other receives. When someone receives, someone gives. This is a, this is a very fundamental, I would submit, if you, if you this, is, this is ironclad, money, money back guarantee. I don't do that. In order for us to receive, in order for you and I to receive, the ultimate breaking and pouring out of self happens in Jesus Christ. And God, in Jesus, is broken and is poured out so that you and I receive. And then it keeps going. And God invites you and I to be broken and to be poured out for the sake of the world, for the sake of God's mission in the world, for the sake of what God is doing in the world. And you and I are broken and we're poured out. And is it any wonder that the world is healed, that, that people are drawn back to God by the breaking and the pouring out of God's church. Is it any wonder? And friends, here's the thing. You and I, we do not have an endless capacity to give. We do not have an endless well to draw from where we can give so that others receive. At some point, I'm guessing that you can think of a time in your life or an experience where you just kind of got to the end of yourself and it was like, I cannot give another thing. I am, I am dry I have nothing left. We say these kinds of things. And the beautiful thing is that when we come to this table, we tap into something, this being that we call God, who is ever-giving, ever-offering, ever-loving, endless. No bounds, no limits. And so we come to this table after being broken and poured out, and we receive because God has given to you and to me. So I wonder if there's anybody here today who has been broken and poured out for the sake of others. I wonder if there's anybody here who has just given and given and given to their kids and who's just at the end of their rope. Or maybe it's somebody in your family who just needs and is constantly receiving and you are just giving and giving and giving or maybe it's a job and you maybe you don't have a job and you are just giving 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 and you're just at the end of your rope then I would say to you this is the body of Christ broken for you and this is the blood of Christ poured out for you freely given so you can receive from a source with no limits and no bounds. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who needs to be reminded that God is not an object to be observed, but an experience to participate in, who needs tangible elements of bread and of wine to remind them that this life with God is a journey, 
and that we experience it and we participate in it. And as you come this morning to this table, be reminded that this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you, freely given so that you can receive from a source with no end, with no bounds, with no limits. This is the way the world works. This is the way it works. You receive, somebody gives. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who needs to be reminded that it's okay to not have all the answers. To not understand why whatever is happening is happening. To not have it all figured out. To just basically be at a place where you trust that God is love, God reveals God in Jesus, and Jesus leads me home. And that's enough for today. For you, I would say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you, freely given so that you can receive from a source with no end, with no limit, with no bounds. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.